I'm Robin Hamler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Duncan Sands, Chief Executive Officer of P20 Payments 20. Now, since March of last year, cybercrime has gone up. 74% of banks experiencing a rise in cyber attacks. The question is, are they, first of all, or are they just finding out about more of them? And uh, perhaps we should begin there. Is it the case that cybercrime has risen? Or are we just spotting more of it? It's definitely risen. The sophistication of the attacks has uh, risen as well. Uh, We're also seeing that uh, they're much more professionalized uh, in the way that they carry these attacks out. And I think one of the things that people who are working in, you know, right at the coalface handling these attacks are seeing is that uh, with these sort of state-sponsored or even state organizations which are uh, carrying out these attacks, what we're seeing is we're seeing that they're regarding it really as a commercial business. So particularly uh, in terms of the data that they can get, they don't really mind what data they collect. They'll collect data and then they work out how to commercialize that data. So we are, we're definitely you know, everyone I've spoken to tells me that uh, they're seeing just more sophisticated and a much greater number of attacks. And obviously, COVID, with everyone being forced out of the office, away from their networks that uh, were in their offices, into their home networks, that has created just massive opportunity uh, for these bad actors. Are we at a stage then where we should view it as a systemic threat? Well, I think there is a. I think there is an element of that, but it's really it's a systemic uh, um, threat in the sense that anyone can be attacked. But I think that the you know we are as we see ones that are more sophisticated. I think that what we need is we need everyone, and this is sort of the purpose of this report. We need everyone to understand that we each have a role to play in cybersecurity. This isn't something that you can just say, well, the CISO and the uh, uh, and the, the the tech team have got this under control. This is something that each of us has a role because ultimately, at the end of the day. I think we've moved to a stage now where cyber attacks are so common that it's not so much about how the about whether you're attacked. What it's really about is how you handle and how you respond afterwards. And that very much is a an issue on the business side because it's ultimately it's reputational. Well, the old joke, of course, used to be that there are those companies that have been hacked and those companies that don't know they've been hacked, and that's it. I think it was IBM produced a report last year. If I remember correctly, it's 228 days is their estimation between companies being hacked and finding out that they have been hacked. And so if you think of what somebody who's within a network undetected can do, just moving around wherever they want, trying to find whatever, 228 days is an incredibly long period of time. Well, now, you've come up with these best practice recommendations. When I say you, of course, it's not just Payments 20. There are many organizations involved in creating this report. Uh, This is the Ten Commandments of Cybersecurity, only you've got 20 of them. Yeah, we've we've got four stones with them engraved on rather than two. What we've tried to do with this report is very simple. Everybody, really until sort of recently, has regarded cybersecurity as something for the tech team. And, and what we're trying to do is to, to put best practices 
in a language that people who are not cybersecurity professionals, who don't speak that tech language, to, to put it in a language that they can understand, that they can see what their role is. And one of the greatest threats that we have is around um, you know, supply chains. Nobody knows, unless you actually sort of start to investigate further, nobody knows when you engage a supplier who their suppliers are. And that's where the risk comes. Uh, there was the uh, the co-op in Sweden had to close uh, over 500 of their stores earlier this year because of a, I think it was a third or fourth party supply uh, chain supplier of, of, of a company that they didn't even use that was based in America that got hacked. Um, and because they got hacked, it was a knock-on effect down the system. Um, and they couldn't operate their uh, payment terminals in their, in their shops, and so they had to close them down. Well, it's obviously important that we focus on security, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that your payment's 20. So what's actually going on other than security, other than concern about cybersecurity and making sure payments are secure? Obviously, that's important. But what's happening in the world of payments itself? What are the developments you're seeing there? Well, we're seeing more and more people move to digital payments. I mean, that's the that is the main that that's that's the main move. And um, we've seen a change. Really, we've seen a, a decades change in just sort of eighteen months. But I think um, the other thing that we're seeing is we're we're seeing greater, much greater responsibility across the entire industry uh, when it comes to the effects of the pandemic and financial inclusion. I think there's a real. I think there was a sort of wake-up call that uh, as the world suddenly went, uh, you know, digital and online because you know forced because of the pandemic, that there are people out there, the less privileged in society, who found it very very hard suddenly finding that you couldn't you know use cash, and so I think that you know the the industry the industry is coming together and P20 is playing a role in doing that in bringing the industry together alongside government and regulators to find ways to make sure that uh, we have inclusive solutions. Can I say then that the, your two key themes in the short term at least, and, and one of them is never, ever, ever, neither of them are ever going to go away, is security, security of payments, and financial inclusion. Yeah, so our, 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 the three areas of focus we have, the three pillars, as we call them, are combating fraud and criminal transactions, cybersecurity, and financial inclusion. But I think the, you know, the, there's, there, there is a link between cybersecurity and the combating fraud and criminal transactions. But I think one of the key things to understand is that a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of cyber attacks cause problems with payments. So, for instance... You've probably read about the, the colonial pipeline in the southeast of uh, the US that back in the spring there was a hack and they closed the pipeline down. Now, most people think that the reason they closed the pipe down, pipeline down was because the pipeline wasn't uh, able to operate because of the attack. Well, that's not actually the case. The reason they closed it down was because the systems that were hacked didn't enable them to track their inventory or issue an invoice to the people who drew off fuel from the pipeline. And so rather than, rather than give people free product, they closed down the pipeline until they could put that system back in place. So payments is, you know, when we talk about cyber attacks, 
payments is right at the right at the center of the effect that, uh, that that can be felt by everyone. And what we saw with that was we saw it, it didn't quite go as far as what I would describe as civil unrest, but we certainly saw frayed tempers of people who weren't able to fill up their cars. Payments obviously is key. I want, and I look at this as an individual first and foremost. I want to be able to access my funds in my financial institution and move them where I want to move them and make the payments I want to make. And and that's true for companies as well. And if you can't do that and you can't do it securely and you can't do it in a way that is sure that the money is going where you want it to go, everything is going to grind to a halt. Absolutely. And and I think that, you know, everybody wants to have, you know, they want to have instant payments and, and, and not faster payments. And they, I think security is something that people expect. It's not, it's not something that they, you know, hope, you know, will happen. When you put your money into an institution, or when you get a card and you use a card, you expect that that transaction is going to be secure, you expect that your data isn't going to be uh, compromised in any way. And so I think that um, we're in a race against the bad actors, because uh, no, no, you know, no longer is it you know somebody just sort of you know sitting in a darkened room somewhere doing something. You know, now now it's a professional deal. In fact, there was a, a very senior official in the British government who told me a couple of years ago that uh, he found it a little bit uh, disconcerting that when he got up in the morning and was getting ready to go to work. He was thinking that, uh, you know, across the globe, there was somebody else also getting up in the morning, getting ready to, to go to work. And their job was to try and was to attack him and, and try and try and, you know, destroy his, you know, his handiwork of the day. That's the biggest message of this report that, you know, cybersecurity is the responsibility of everyone. The, the tone, the message needs to come from the top in the C-suite because at the end of the day, everybody's got a role to play. And not only has everybody got a role to play, but if, you, if everybody doesn't play that role, there's, there are reputational consequences that can, can flow from that. Well, you say reputational consequences, but there are arguably what one might describe as real-world consequences in terms of failure of institutions, loss of jobs, loss mm-hmm. of economic activity. You know, all that as well. And I mean, I think the if you look at an individual, you know, who decides that they're, you know, that they're, they're not going to take cybersecurity and what they can do from the simplest things like in not opening an attachment that you you weren't expecting or that is that seems on the face of it, if you stopped for a moment and looked at it, that obviously it has to be untrue. That uh, if you you're not clicking on that. I mean, that's just like the most that's that is how many of these uh, breaches begin because of these these phishing attacks. Somebody has sent something that they open and they allow the people in. And of course, they don't say anything to anyone. So nobody has any idea that um, nobody has any idea that anyone might be in the system. Do you have anything we can be optimistic about? I think there's loads that we can be optimistic about, because first of all, I think that we have we have a lot of very smart people out there who are working you know on the problem in order to 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 stay ahead of the bad actors i think in lots of ways we are staying ahead but i think also that we see in life generally as people become aware of something they're prepared to act and we're not you know we're not really asking people to do very much that's difficult 
There's very simple things that people can do. And I think people are going to be open for it. I just think that most reports, most recommendations that come out around cybersecurity are written in a way that uh, most people don't understand. And that's why we've taken the approach of, of talking to the cyber professionals, but trying to frame the conversation in a way that is understandable to everyone. And that's why I hope that people will find this report to be, you know, not only an interesting document to read, but also a, a practical book of practical actions that they can use. Thank you very much, Duncan Sands, Chief Executive Officer of P20 Payments 20.